Welcome to the Women's Wellness Psychiatry Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Anna Glazer, MD, a reproductive and integrative psychiatrist here to help you make sense of the complex world of women's mental health. If your goal is to improve your emotional well-being, find fulfillment, and feel like your best self, you're in the right place. This week's podcast episode comes to you as an idea from the most recent team case conference that I had with my team in clinic just this past week. And other ideas for the podcast are ones that I absolutely welcome from you. So if you have a particular idea that you'd like me to cover a particular topic or content that you'd love for me to cover on this podcast, I would highly, highly request that you send me a message, that you find me online, you write a review, and you share your thoughts, because I would love to cover the information that is most important and most valuable to my listeners out there. This episode is going to be talking about DEMER, which is the dysphoric milk ejection reflex. And this is something that many individuals actually don't know a whole lot about. And I'm talking about women, mothers, doctors, and even lactation experts who might be quite unfamiliar with this condition. DEMER, again, it's called the dysphoric milk ejection reflex, is basically this experience of feeling a very intense surge of depression or dysphoria or just generally feeling low or anxious or irritable for the first few seconds or minute or two of milk letdown, which happens either during pumping or during breastfeeding. And again, this is something that is not well known, which is the main reason I actually want to talk about it on this podcast episode. It was first identified just in 2007 by a woman named Aaliyah Macrina Hayes, H-E-I-S-E, and she's actually done a lot of work to promote education and information about this topic. There's a great website that she founded, and I put a link to that at the show notes, which is demer.org. And please feel free to take a look there for more information. And since that time, there have been a few single case reports and some case series publications in the 2011 to 2018 time window. And there's really been very little data since then. There's been a couple of studies, and I'm going to share what the results of those studies have been, it was actually somewhat surprising to me as I was doing the literature review in planning to prepare for this podcast recording because I've honestly never had so few results when doing a literature search. Most recently, there's been a couple of small studies. There was an interesting study that was done in 2019, which suggested a 9% prevalence of this condition with individuals who are breastfeeding. Now, I do think that that number should be taken with a little bit of a grain of salt because this was a very small study. Instead, what I think is most valuable about the study was rather the descriptive portion rather than this quantitative part. What it did was it asked women to describe how they feel during that experience of dysphoria during letdown, and they found a few really interesting aspects. First, what they found is the majority of women described the experience as very sudden, that it was coming on for no apparent reason. They also noted that the majority of women said that the symptoms actually resolved sometimes as quickly as within a few seconds, and oftentimes the majority reported within five minutes. The other interesting part of this was that they found most women reported feeling well, feeling pretty happy between letdowns. So this wasn't a population of women 
that already was symptomatic with depression or anxiety. They actually felt pretty well in between those experiences. And then there was a really interesting way where they gathered information about the most common descriptive words that were used for this kind of experience. And some of the most common words were things like anxious, sad, oversensitive, irritable, agitated, panicky, and tearful. The other important part of this study was that it took a look at some of the things that were most common in worsening this experience. And the number one thing that they found was that poor sleep is a significant risk factor for worsening these symptoms. And this becomes important later when we talk about interventions. The symptoms of DEMER can be intense. And I've actually worked with women who describe it as a very, very challenging experience to the point where they experience symptoms of hopelessness and even episodes of suicidal ideation. And it can also be less intense. It can be more mild to moderate with a more general feeling of negativity, low mood, anxiety, or unease or disease. Now, the consequence of experiencing DEMER is that most often it leads to premature weaning or stopping breastfeeding earlier than originally intended. A lot of breastfeeding individuals have specific goals for how long they'd ideally like to breastfeed. And so it can be very disappointing and frustrating when this goal is not met. And we know that there's data on the benefits of breastfeeding. So stopping it early has its own host of potentially negative consequences. This condition, DEMER, can lead to stopping breastfeeding prematurely. The other consequence of this experience is because so little is known about it, it can lead to a feeling quite a bit of loneliness because so few recognize this condition, even among medical professionals, for example, pediatricians, um, obstetricians, mental health clinicians. So few recognize the existence of DEMER, and so it can be a very lonely type of experience, leading to questions that women begin to have, like, am I a bad mother? Is there something wrong with me? These kinds of questions can begin to spiral, and these kinds of questions can increase the risk of things like depression and postpartum depression. And so we want to make sure that women understand that this is a hormonal and physiological neurobiological experience, and that's something that we can actually intervene on. Now, in order to have successful interventions, it's important to understand the mechanism behind this experience, and we're still honestly working on that, but the thought is that it's related to a dopamine drop and that it's also mediated by oxytocin, and both of these oxytocin and dopamine, these hormones, neurotransmitters, are important in breastfeeding. There's a helpful neurobiology of breastfeeding review that talks about DEMER that was published in 2021 that I would encourage folks to take a look at if they want to get into a little bit more of the nitty-gritty details of the neurophysiobiological experience of DEMER. The treatment options really depends on the severity of the symptoms and what we're trying to target. So if we're targeting the biology, keeping in mind that this may be related, for example, to a dopamine drop, then we might consider medications that influence dopamine or other neurotransmitters. There are some case studies and case reports of medications like serotonergic medications, SSRIs, 
or medications that impact dopamine like bupropion that have been helpful in managing symptoms of DEMER. Now, if we're trying to target the sleep, going back to what I mentioned earlier, where poor sleep is a significant risk factor for the experience of DEMER, then we might really want to think about how do we improve the individual who's breastfeeding their sleep in order to make sure that we decrease the severity of the DEMER symptoms. And so that could be thinking about things like sleep hygiene strategies, CBTI, which is cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, which is a really gold standard treatment option for managing sleep and sleep-related anxiety, or even some logistical interventions. For example, are there others, a partner or a night nanny or a family member who may be able to assist with the overnight feedings in order to ensure better sleep? Really thinking about sleep as the target. And then finally, if the target really relates to some of those negative thoughts, some of those questions and that feeling of loneliness, well, that's where things like education, for example, sharing this podcast with individuals who might be suffering from DMR. So education, support, and psychotherapy can really be helpful, especially when there's circulating thoughts about being a bad mother or feelings of guilt or that there's something wrong. All of that, the education, the support, and the psychotherapy can be helpful with that kind of negative thinking. There's definitely some early ideas about treatment options that can be helpful and some case studies and reports of those options being helpful for certain individuals. But the number one takeaway that I want to emphasize in this particular episode of the podcast is that DEMER is a neurophysiological, hormonal, biological condition that affects a substantial minority of individuals who are breastfeeding, which can have a whole host of consequences. And so it's really important to learn more about this condition. There's ongoing research, there's ongoing publications, and so we need to learn more. We need to learn more about the mechanism, learn more about treatment options. But I really want to emphasize that this condition exists and that if you're struggling with this experience, you are not alone. Thanks for joining me for this week's episode. As you know, my goal is to share with you the most helpful information that moves you towards emotional well-being. If you have suggestions or questions, I'd love to hear those. And I also always appreciate a rating that will help others find this valuable content. I'm looking forward to connecting with you again next week. Please note that while I am a clinical doctor, this podcast is not a substitute for nor should be taken as medical advice. No specific health advice is being given on this podcast and no physician-client relationship is created by you listening to this podcast. All information provided on this podcast is for informational purposes only.